recorded live at the Hawk's Nest on the summit. It's a summit, by the way, in Pataskala, Ohio. This is Garage Days, underproduced and over the top. I am your host, Arch Madness. The Give Me Five this week, your top five concert experiences. And calling the Hawk line, Michael Hannon. He was in uh, American Dog, Salty Dog. He was also a touring member of the band Dangerous Toys. I don't know if my guest here uh, knew that or not, but we'll, I did know that. we'll throw the uh, Gimme Five at him. Also find out about some new projects that he's working on. And, and joining me in the garage for a second time in a month, <laughs> thank God he's a good sport, the one and only Dave Man. What's up, bro? Thank you for having me back. Dave, thanks for, like I said, that was, you know, I remember I had to call my one son when it didn't look like the guinea pig was going to pull through. <laughs> I, I was like, this was probably the second toughest phone call I've ever had to, to make, Dave, was to tell you that it, it went. I, I don't know. But look, here we are now. I, I've got this roadcaster. I did a show last week. I'm going to crank these out every week, record on a Wednesday, release on a Friday. I know you're actually uh, you're, you're delving into this as, as well. You're going to get yeah. yourself one. But yeah, we, we did that show. Was it a month ago? Yeah. Uh, if Give or take. And uh, it was a blast, and it's for as much as it sucks for it to be lost, it is kind of cool that we've got the Mystique Lost Tapes. You know, that's what Dorsey said. Dorsey's like, you guys should just kind of build that up and just call it the the Lost Tapes of Dave Mann and just really, really try and... uh, I think, well, you know, your schedule permitting, maybe in a few months, maybe we try to recreate it. You know? Okay, because it was a great topic, and we did uh, rock books, like yeah. your, your favorite reads. You know, and when I got home that night, you know what I did with my notes? I threw them away. Yeah. I went, it's done. I don't need these anymore. Why now would I'm you? going, oh, my God, why didn't I save those notes? And I had the USB microphones, and we won't rehash it too much, but, I mean, I was running basically uh, through a laptop, through a laptop. Like, it was, it just, it was bound to happen. That iceberg was coming, so... Was that server in Belarus? Right. That, uh, so, so, so here's the deal, and, and the best part of all of this: one, we're, we're back together again. You're in the hawk's nest, and it's good to have you here. We're gonna call Michael Hannon here <laughs> in a few. Isn't that gonna be great? Is one of my favorite all time people in the he, world. He's got something fun coming up this weekend mm-hmm. too, I believe. Yeah. So we'll hit him up on that, and and also Dave. So we're gonna talk about our all, our five favorite shows. We'll discuss how we broke that down because I think you're thinking a little differently than I was. But when you sent me that text before you came over here, it made sense to me because I put your your favorite you know live experiences. So I guess your experience might be different than how you would approach a concert or how you view a concert, right? It could, there's other variables in this. I went into this going, um, I'm going to look at it not strictly from the best musicianship i'm going to look at it from the impact that it either had on my life or it had cool it had on the times in the time we're we're in this we're in the same we're in the same and i think as we start to we start to go over these it'll it'll make sense what what i mean what you mean by that but it was fun to sit down and think about number one it's tough. I, like a dumbass, got rid of my ticket collection. I don't know why. I just, I threw it all away. I'm the, I'm the same way, Dave. I, I didn't keep all of mine. It, it, I don't know why either. And, and when I was younger, I kept a meticulous diary of every show I went to, what the venue was. Yeah. Um, and now, looking back, we've been to a lot of shows over the years. I can't 
even remember. There's stuff I'm sure that I've forgotten that tomorrow or in a week I'll go, oh my God, why, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't you have said that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you this in my list, in my five, Dave, I don't have a kiss show. I don't have it. Nor an Ace Fraley. I don't have a Van Halen per se. Um, or, you know, enough's enough or any of my, really my favorite bands. It's, it's, I mean, I do to a certain extent, but these are the shows that always kind of pop back up into my memory. The ones that when I'm talking with people, and that's that's why I like to do stuff like this on the show, is because it's just kind of fun to reminisce, and, and there's nothing better than talking about rock concerts that you that you went to. So, dude, we could do this, like you said, we could do this show in a couple months and have 10 totally oh, yeah. different shows between us. Well, and I, you know, I, you and I, whenever we talk, I mean, chances are when we're talking about music, Typically, it's hard rock slash metal of some sort. So I've pretty much kept all of my stuff in that vein. Um, I, you know, I've become a big fan of other types of music over the years, but I've excluded those shows. If it was just purely based on musicianship, I'd have a different top five. Right. But, I, but I'm going with experiences and what it meant in the moment. So. Let's go. Let's get right into it. And then we're going to read. Uh, I've got so I got some good ones on on Twitter last night. Also on my Facebook page. Uh, we'll, we'll check out what the what the listeners are thinking as well. But Dave, and however you want to do this, if you want to kind of go back and forth, if you want to yeah. throw your five out, but go ahead and throw one out. <clears throat> Dave. All right. Um, I did put these in order. So I'll start at number five. All right. Um, and, and I got it. Let me let me put on my Reading glasses. Get your readers on, bro. And just a little, uh, conf- these aren't even. It's the way she goes. These are my wife's. Oh, the, ooh, How pathetic are, is that? Are, <laughs> do I look kind of sexy in them? You do, Dave. Um, I'm going to go with number five, and I'm going to say the June 17th, 1997 OzFest riot at Polaris. And of course, if you were there, it sucked because, you know, Sabbath did not perform. Um, but. And excuse my addled memory, you were there, right? Dave, in fact, you saved my niece, Molly, and myself. Uh, you saved us that night. You came down, and it was right, because I wasn't going to leave Pantera. And I, you came down and said, Arch, here's the deal. Ozzy's not showing up. You know, we need to plan accordingly here. Because well, things were fishy throughout that whole... I mean, it was dicey throughout that whole show, man. When we first got there... And, and we had uh, one of those tables that used to be in that, that VIP section or whatever. Right, Were you right. sitting at that table? No, or? no. I was, in, I was down in the low. I would, we were okay. in the lower pavilion, okay. especially during Pantera. And things were getting kind of rough then. When we first got there, a member of the staff came up and told us, uh, Ozzy's not even here. Uh, Sabbath isn't playing. And I thought <laughs> she was full of shit. Yeah, yeah. And I went, you don't even know what you're talking about. And then... Um, when uh, the band comes out and Phil Anselmo starts singing uh, Sabbath songs, I'm like, oh, my God, this is. And, and to watch um, the police helicopters start yeah. to circle overhead. And then as we went out to the side, you could see the squad cars pouring into the parking lot. And if you remember, the whole reason those guys had to go out there and vamp like that was because there was a bomb scare at the front of the venue. There was a suitcase. Remember, like, those drainage ravines they had out front? Yeah. There was a suitcase down there that somebody claimed there was a bomb in, so they needed the bomb squad to disable that stupid thing before they could let people out. And and you could just feel the tension rising. And then when 
when Phil and Marilyn Manson are singing <laughs> Sabbath songs and people are going, what is going on? And then all hell just breaks loose. Oh, legendary show. The most famous show at Polaris. I mean, not for any good reasons, but no, we got out. As soon as you said that, I, I, I finished up with Pantera. I did not see, because I had my niece at the time and she was just a teenager. And that was always our tradition was I would take her to, to OzFest. And we, when you said that, I'm like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want my sister to get super pissed at me. So I, I got her daughter out of there. And, and when we were leaving though, we just, like you said, you just saw all those squad cars coming in. It was happening. Now at this point, the, the fence in the back was kind of, uh, it was compromised. <laughs> Things I will, were coming down. They were trying I will to say that. Well, and, and two also, um, well before the show was over, they were boarding up all the concession stands. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is not, she was right. Whoever told me, and I can't remember the gal's name, but uh, she was an usher out there. And she's like, yeah. Classic. What a great show to start off with, Dave. They claim Ozzy was literally so trashed that he, it, this is probably urban legend, but what the hell, that he like falls out of the private jet. They scoop him up, I've throw him that. back in and said, just get him on to the next city. You know, whenever I'm watching live Aussie footage and he dumps the water on himself, I always say, you know what Dave Man told me? He's doing that because he, uh, he, has, he has soiled himself. <laughs> and he's just throwing the water on him because he's already wet himself and done everything else. And it's, I've always, I think you were, I think you were right, Dave, in a lot of those cases. And, and what, just real quick too, and I'm not trying to, what else no, did, I, what else did I say about Ozzy? And Sharon. Well, you said Sharon was going to run him until he died. Yeah. I still, I talk about that on the air. Dave man called that. I mean, you, you, you called that man that she was going to, she was not going to give up that meal ticket. No way. And she hasn't. So. It's pathetic. It is. It's, 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 yeah. For me, Dave, uh, Def Leppard and Tesla. This would be mm. back in 1987 at the Charleston Civic Center in Charleston, West Virginia. That was a great bill. I was 16 years old. This was the first show, and this is the reason I have it in there. This was the first show that I went to without my parents driving me. <laughs> this was the first one, and I think half of the class of 1989 at Marietta High School was there at this show. And I'll be honest. Were they, were they um, no. freaked out about, like, oh, there no. goes our boy, and we may never see him no, again? no, no, not, not really, not too bad. They, they knew that. For me, in situations like that, I was so jazzed about the music and seeing it that they knew I was going to be as careful as I could that I wanted to do it again. So that, but that was my Smart. first trip. So I, you know, I had to drive and that was about, it's about an hour and 15 minutes away from Marietta, but that was always the most common place. You know, it was quicker even than to come up to Columbus to see a show or Pittsburgh, which was a couple hours away or, I mean, it was just too far away, but Charleston, West Virginia was always a great spot for us. And I'd seen shows before, whatever, my parents would drop me off. But this was the first show where I, I got to go by myself, drove to it. Tesla, Modern Day Cowboy had just came out. We were excited about seeing them. Great. And this was great. Album. And this is the, the, you know, there were empty seats there, Dave, because uh, at this point, I think women, you, you got to remember this album was out for almost a year talking about hysteria now where until Pour Some Sugar On Me hit, I mean, that was, you know, you had to sit through, you know, they had the single Women, which is really my favorite song on that record. Mine too. But it flopped. Animal, kind of a flop. 
And it really didn't take off until later in the summer when they released Pour Some Sugar on Me. So it was just, it was kind of cool to see them there. They were still fighting. They were still hungry. And, uh, and Tesla, to see a young Tesla, you know, and that was really only like the fourth or fifth show on that tour. So it was, it was just a great experience. Now, what about that venue? Did, did they have the open parking lot? Was there tailgating around Yeah, there around was tailgating. The- now, later on, we would walk through. Now, when my parents would drop me off, we would walk through. This time I parked and told my buddy Chris, like, we are getting inside there. We're not messing around. Because normally when my parents would drop us off, they'd go to the mall and then we'd go through the parking, the heavy metal parking lot, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we did that. But we did not do that on this particular show because I was, I really didn't want to screw this up. The sights, the sounds, ah, the smells. That's right. <laughs> what's your, what's your other one, Dave? Um, be number uh, four, I guess. Number four. I'm going to go with, um, there was a, back when I lived in Minnesota, there used to be this festival that they would do in Des Moines, Iowa, at the state fairgrounds on Memorial Day weekend. It was called the Iowa Jam. And the concert itself would happen Monday. We'd drive down typically on Saturday, and uh, a buddy of mine had a station wagon. You're supposed to camp, and it was pouring rain. And so three of us lived in a station wagon um, Saturday, Sunday. Right. <laughs> and then the show was on Monday, right? So here's the lineup. Uh, Aerosmith was the headliner. Ted Nugent was on the bill. Dokken. And I had also seen Aerosmith and Dokken together, uh, I don't know, like maybe a month before this. They were on tour together. Uh, a little band called Metallica Oof. was on the bill. Oof. You saw Cliff. Saw Cliff. This Damn. this this was in uh, May, and he would be dead by the following September. Uh, Armored Saint yeah, opened the show. One of my faves. And just to hit you real quick, uh, here's Metallica's uh, set list that day. Battery, Master of Puppets. <sighs> For Whom the Bell Tolls, Fade to Black, Seek and Destroy, Creeping Death, Am I Evil, and Damage Incorporated with Cliff. And uh, it was a beautiful thing. Wow. And that's your number four. That's your number four. I mean, that's saying something, man. So, yeah, again, just trying to cash in on the, you know, like I said, that was the only time I I got a chance to see Cliff. I'm I'm glad I got to see him before he passed. Number four for me, uh, Megadeth, Pantera, White Zombie. This was at Hera Arena, <laughs> July 3rd. It was right before the holidays, and it was back in 1993. I saw, Pan- I saw you know, Megadeth earlier in the year. I saw Pantera three times on that vulgar tour. Um, and then I also saw, which one of those was at Vets, and I saw Zombie at the Newport. I could have thrown any of those shows, you know, see, you know, seeing Megadeth at Vets was was huge, but to see these three at this time, it was it was like overwhelming for a twenty year old metalhead. And one of the cool things is, my buddies and I, we uh, you know, so Megadeth plays. They do. I think this was during the Countdown to Extinction, Extinction album, so they finished with uh, Symphony of Destruction, which was the big thing mm-hmm. at that point. They go off, they come back, they do Anarchy, which was, which, which was cool, you know, whatever at the time. Probably wouldn't say that now to hear that. And Motley Crue ruined it. But anyway, they come back out and play Bad Omen. It blew us away. I'll never forget that moment, my friends and I. And to look back, and I... Google searched that show. I love going back and checking out set lists from mm-hmm. the shows. Obviously, you do too, from the ones you went to. 
that was the first time Megadeth had played that song since. So this was in 93. That was the first time they'd played it since 87. And they, and I've looked, I don't know if they've ever played that again. Now, I am a good morning Black Friday kind of guy when it comes to my peace cells. But to hear Bad Omen like that. Um, did yeah. Mustaine ever talk about that in his book? I don't recall. It no. Was, and was see, there... well, they did The Conjuring at that show as well. And I actually saw them play The Conjuring twice out of the, uh, the four times that I've seen Megadeth. They played The Conjuring twice. But now Dave will not do that anymore. And he won't probably play Bad Omen anymore he play he doesn't do any more of those songs and you know blackie lawless also who's who's born again if you can kind of pick up what dave and i are talking about right now uh he there's some songs he won't play as well but yeah mustang i don't think you'll ever hear bad omen again so so blackie's no longer doing animal i don't like yeah I, yeah i don't think so but i mean yeah. i don't know i haven't seen but he doesn't even come so, over to to the u.s anymore he just plays over in europe and he plays on, on Russia. that show yeah. was was megadeth the headliner mm -hmm. see now i i can't imagine yeah. trying to have to follow pantera at that time that is a tough putt and and also know this that there was tension on the stage uh between because at this point pantera was kind of mocking megadeth this is when they were doing the black tooth grin. Mm -hmm. And if you remember that, that sweating bullets, that was off that mm -hmm. record. So this, this was, they, there was, if I remember correctly, there Hello, were some comments. Me. Yeah. There were some comments made, you know, Phil, and this was before, and Phil was still hungry at this time. He was still one of the best metal frontmen. He wasn't, you know, chasing the dragon at that point. <laughs> he, uh, I mean, he made some comments, you know, we're not up here singing about dragons and, and you know, and, and devils. And de he was kind of, he, he was walking up to that line. And I think Mustaine even made a comment when their turn came up on stage about, you know, I don't know. What, I don't remember exactly. I don't want to quote him, but he, he made a comment about basically play your six songs and shut up. <laughs> so anyway, but that was, uh, that's my number four. What do you got for three, Dave? Number three, I got to go with the Kiss, the, the first show. Of the Kiss reunion tour, Tiger Stadium, uh, Detroit Rock City. I remember you going to that man. The uh, we had uh, at the time I was working at the Q, and we had some winners who um, won a limousine ride up and back, and I somehow talked the program director into getting an extra ticket so I could properly escort those winners. So uh, I had a single seat. I don't know. We were in like. The 10th row or something. I was always super jelly of you going to that. Alice in Chains opened up, and uh, it was just a, just a really, really cool night to see the original band back together. I was almost going to go with the first time I saw Kiss, which was the Dynasty Tour. Still the original band. A little upshot group called Judas Priest opened that night, but... Um, you know, that was the whole disco wow. kiss era, too. Yeah, well, so hey, man. This, uh, that night was just special to go to, to, to Tiger Stadium, and uh, it was a blast. Number three for me, Dave, Wasp, the Al Rosa Villa, March 12th, 2000. Um, this was, and I was telling you about it here in the Hawk's Nest before we recorded, uh, Elvis. This was Blackie's mic stand. It was in the house, which if, if you're a Wasp fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's this amazing mic stand that Blackie rides like a Harley Davidson and it's got <laughs> boobies on it and it's just awesome. Also, uh, Chris Holmes, this was the last tour with Chris Holmes. Seen Wasp three times, only once with Chris Holmes and this was at the Al Rosso so it was just super special to see them that close. 
And uh, yeah, just good stuff. So I know we're up up against it just a little bit. I know uh, Michael Hannon wants us to to get a hold of him, but I want to get these other shows out, Dave. What do you got at number two? Number two, I'm going to go with Metallica and Guns N' Roses at the Metrodome in Minneapolis. Um, they finish it. Everybody, everybody, all right in that one? No one. Well, yeah, we finished. Everybody got got through it. Um, <laughs> real quick story: uh, Guns N' Roses management. I was working at a station in Minneapolis at the time. They called up and said. Do you have a station softball team? We said, yeah. And they nice. said, uh, Guns N' Roses wants to play you guys. Uh, a couple of ground rules. Number one, you cannot tell anybody that this is happening because if you do, we'll cancel all your meet and greets and we'll rescind all the free tickets and everything. Wow. So um, we, we get a, a, this field reserved at this park and night of, this white van rolls up. Now, Axel wasn't there. Um I believe Slash was. Duff was definitely there. Um, Gilby Clark, Matt Sorum. And so all these other league softball games are going on, and nobody has the slightest clue that Guns, Guns and, Roses and Roses is playing softball Holy on this field. And uh, so Axel's bodyguard is there. And it's literally one of those, it's like, I don't know, the bottom of the fifth or the, I don't, I don't remember how many right. games we're playing. And and he uh, is a was a gigantic human being, former football player. He cracks this ball, and I don't know, I can't remember if there were people on base or not. But it comes down to it was what he <laughs> believed to be the winning home run of the game. The ball went foul of the left post, and nobody had the balls to go. No, that's a foul ball. So Guns and Roses uh, beat us. Congratulations, GNR. Oh. And then at the show itself, uh, as Metallica <laughs> was playing, in, in the old Metrodome, it used to have this Teflon roof, which was kind of like cloth. Right. And it was kept um, inflated via air pressure. Well, there were really bad storms going through the area that night. And um, during Metallica doing For Whom the Bell Tolls, there was a wicked lightning storm going on that actually lit up the roof of the dome on its own, just, just, and it was flooding outside, flash floods. It was a mess, but it just added so much to the show. To see that tour and have it come off, like, without a hitch, and Axel performing, yeah. and, you know, and, and the chairs that were there remained at the end of the show, and, and there I were no fires. And I don't think there was a huge delay between the bands either. Like, you know, it wasn't that typical two-hour right. make-you-wait-around bullshit. Uh, number two for me, David Lee Roth at the Al Rosa Villa, 1999, December 9th, I do believe, and I'll be honest with you, it was the entire experience. I am, and myself and Dan Orr got to go up and and, and introduce Dave, and I went off on my whole anti-Hagar thing. It was just, <laughs> no, I was the night jock. I, I, or no, I was overnights. I was doing overnights, so no one knew who even the hell I was, and it was, uh, it was really cool that Rick Catella let me do that. I still, anytime I see Rick, talk to Rick, I always thank him for, for that opportunity of bringing David Lee Roth out, and it was just one of the most surreal nights ever. And uh, that's my number two. What's your number one, Dave? Number one, I'm going with Ozzy. Diary of a Madman tour. Um, we we literally drove through a, a blizzard. It was insane to get to the Met Center in Bloomington, Minnesota. Randy Rhodes played. Um, this was in January. Um, Randy plays. A few nights later is when Ozzy bites the head off the bat in Des Moines, Iowa, and goes through the whole rabies thing. Wow. And then just real quick too. I mean, at that time there was such a rivalry between Sabbath. 
and, and Ozzy at the time. So that show was in January. We get to see Sabbath come in with Dio in March on the Mob Rules Tour. And then uh, like two weeks after that, Randy dies in the plane crash. And so it was just like this condensed thing. But it was, I have some pictures that I took with my little Kodak Ektachrome. You still? I've got them, yeah. I mean, you have pictures of Randy though? I got pictures of the, I mean, nothing up close. No, no, but, no, no. But, but yeah, I mean, no, yeah. I, got, I got pictures of them on stage. Wow. It was that castle, that gorgeous yeah, castle yeah, yeah, set yeah. up. And uh, Randy Rhodes, Rudy Sarzo, Tommy Aldridge on drums, and Ozzy. It, uh, Diary of a Madman tour. Wow. That would be my number one, too, man. That would be my number one. It was wow. outstanding. Uh, my number one is Metallica and Queensryche at the Ohio Center, November 19th, 1988. The reason it is number one is because... I, all the bands that, I, whether it's my favorite bands growing up, whether it's Kiss, Van Halen, uh, I never got to see them at the height of my fandom. You know what I mean? I didn't get to see Kiss, uh, you know, on that Kiss Alive tour, you know, Kiss Alive 2, as far as like in support of Rock and Roll Over, Destroyer, Love Guy. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I did not see that. I did not see Van Halen in 83. I did not, you know. But I was, and this, and really, Justice had just come out. It was only weeks old. And to see them at the height of, of my fandom was just, it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. And I, could, I don't think there's ever been, you know, Pantera, maybe, maybe to see them when I was really super into them and they were taken off. But, but to see something like Metallica, those are, I mean, that's a different level as much as I love Pantera, but you know what I mean? That was just a different level to see Metallica like that, especially in 1988 when uh, I was just, I was such a big fan. That My junior and senior year in high school, Dave, I mean, it was black pants, my black high-top Vans, and then a different <laughs> black T-shirt. I mean, it was just over the top, and it was the ultimate fandom for Metallica well, And when at I saw that them. time in your life, music was everything. You, you didn't have to worry about paying the bills or, you know, all this right. other peripheral crap that ruins our lives. And when you go back and look at it and, and to be in the moment, that feeling you got, whether it yeah. was the day you bought the tickets or the, remember the days leading up to the shows, like you couldn't sleep. You were giddy. I was beside myself, and, and then just beside myself. After the show was over, after that couple of two, three days, you know, when you basked in the glory and then there was almost like a little bit of depression going, <laughs> now what? Right. And I mean, now what's there to look forward to? And then you'd hope that they had announced, you know, something else cool coming up. I would see them. I would see them. So I saw them in Columbus. So this was the damage damaged justice tour they later saw him in 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 pittsburgh at the old igloo and then again in charleston west virginia right before that that tour wrapped up and they were on the road for almost a couple years there with 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 injustice and just what a what a great time it was never the same and i remember seeing them and we're going to call michael hannon here but let me just throw this out there dave i can remember seeing a metallica in that later that summer and they only had a few dates left on on the tour and walking out of there and saying it's it's never going to be the same again. Just watching how the crowds were reacting with every you know I'd go to these shows every three yeah. or four months and just and just see it was like when I left that Charleston show there in '89, I, I knew I was like this they're they're not going to be our band anymore. This is this is this is <laughs> share them with everybody. Yeah, here come the here come the women folk because <laughs> they're going to write a ballad. Little did I know. That nothing else mattered. All right, so here we go. Let's call the main man now. We're going to call Michael Hannon. What's up, Arch? How you doing? Hey, we've got Michael Hannon here. Now, Michael Hannon, American dog, salty dog. 
Uh, also, I even kind of threw your stint out when you were a, uh, also traveling with, with Dangerous Toys. I've got Dave Mann here with me, Michael. It's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to Garage Days, brother. It's great to be here, my friends. So, Good to talk rock and roll with us, us old crusty crustaceans here. Fine. <laughs> How you doing, Mike? Doing good. So, so here's the deal. We're, our Gimme Five is your top five uh, concert experiences. So your your top five live shows, and and something. And I kind of teased the audience, and I told Dave too that I, I asked you to. I want to hear about the shows that you went to. But we've got a musician, a guy who's who's seen some things. <laughs> I, w- I would like to also hear your top five uh, concert experiences as the guy on stage as well. But let's let's talk about the shows you went to. What what do you have listed for us, Michael? What do you got on your list? Okay, uh, I got. I had to. It was tough to go down to just five. I know we, we're, we're all struggling. Start yeah. out the Alrosa Villa, and it was either eighty three or eighty four. I saw Twisted Sister and Queensryche. <laughs> uh, Queensryche were on their EP. It, what do you think about this show? Is uh, And they had a tour bus. They just had one EP out, four songs. That's it. And they had a tour bus. And Twisted Sister, who had been around for like probably 10, 15 years then, had a van with a trailer on the back of it. <laughs> and and they, they were on You Can't Stop Rock and Roll, which, which is their first American release. Uh, but they were, they already had their stay hungry clothes on. So it was really cool. I love that. I was in a local band called lust and we played two twisted songs in our set and I just loved them. That was like, it was great. Cause Queensryche were like the most professional band you ever saw. They were so slick and every note was perfect and on the money. And I just, it didn't give me goosebumps. I thought, wow, they're good. But so what? Right. Then twisted came out and D just scared the hell out of had ran half the crowd out of the place, cussing at him, <laughs> telling him you're a whip, you're a loser. Get up. You yes, know, and all that stuff and flipping people off. It was just great. And he just gave me goosebumps and I couldn't believe it. It was one of the best things I ever saw. And really D Snyder, one of the most underrated front men and the dude still has his chops. He's in amazing shape. He's taken care of, of his voice. He's still, he's still got it. I saw him a few years back uh, in Dayton and uh, he's still got it. What a great, what an underrated front man D Snyder oh, is. And yeah, was fan- fantastic. I got, I got to meet him after the show too. Oh, I, I, nice. I, I saw Mark Mendoza was came out and, and who's the bass player, the animal. And he was talking, I said, I, hi, I'm Michael. I'm in a local band. We play two years. Twitch. So, what, what, who? And he said, Hey, hold on kid. And he said, D this kid here, he's playing twisted songs. Who? <laughs> he said, what kid? Hey kid, you play what? What do you play twisted songs? You know, I was scaring the hell out of me. I didn't remember some New York. I was just 90 pound little kid, you know? And he was like, yeah, I, I said, you know, we play what you uh, don't know sure can hurt you, and the kids are back. That's great. What cool kid. All right, Dad, you know, stay twisted, kid, you know. Stay oh, twisted, kid. They told yeah. Michael Hannon to stay twisted. All right, what's your number four show, Michael? Number four would have to be Alice Cooper on the Special Forces Tour in 1981 at the Newport, which I think, think was still called the Agora then. And I've seen Alice probably 30, 40 times. And this was not the best he's ever played, but he, it was that cocaine 
period where he would look like, I don't know, like a Japanese housewife and, you know, with teeth falling out. And, and it was, I was right against the wall. I stood in the alley behind because the, the crowd was so big. They put us all around. We were in the back door and I got held right onto the wall and I was right there in front of it. He was beating his like stick up right on the wall by me. It was incredible. So it was just like one of those things. You never get to see him looking like that. Wow. And then it wasn't too long after that. I mean, that he, Got clean. I mean, because right, was, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. early '80s when he stopped. I thought. I, I thought. I don't know. There was a. There was that well, one. They call those. What are those records? There's those three or four records, and they're kind of making a comeback underground. Oh, the wise. blackout era. The, yeah, the blackout the, era. There's the, four of them. The yeah. first one was Flush the Fashion, then Special Forces, then Zipper Catch Your Skin, then Da Da. Right. So, Clones was on Flush the Fashion, right? Yeah, that that came out in '80, yeah. and that that album did, that was his last gold album until Poison. Wow. All right. So what, all right. What do you got? Number three, number three would be probably motorhead in a club in 1990. Uh, this was a, the 1916 tour album was just coming out Best and they did a, a sneak preview show at a place called California dreams in Anaheim down in orange County. And, uh, I saw Lemmy a lot up at the, uh, uh, like rainbow and stuff. And he told me about it. So I went down there, got down there early, sat at, the bar right on the second level and you put your beers there and they were, they brought their whole PA in and this place held 110 people. And it was like <laughs> nice. my beer can kept vibrating back. It was just, wow. And they did a full set instead of at that time they were doing a lot of just opening slots playing with people. I mean, later that summer I saw them with guns and roses and Metallica, but, and you know, and then they, they were, were a four piece then too, right? Yeah. That was with Wurzel. Yeah. Wow. And these, that's that's his number three, Dave. That's his number three. What's your, what's your number two, Michael Hannon? Well, number two, this is going to be ACDC, UFO, and the Motors in Wheeling, West Virginia wow. at, in 1977. Uh, ACDC were on Let There Be Rock. UFO were on Lights Out. <laughs> and it was, <sighs> you know, a, uh, this was like uh, festival seating. I got there. Yeah, I, I know fear. You know, I drove my duster down to the show, and uh, it was just incredible. I mean, they did almost the whole Let There Be Rock album, with the exception of Overdose, and they did like a twenty-minute version of Rocker, and that's when they went out and he went out in the crowd on uh, on the roadie's shoulders. Then they go back around the corner, and it, they it looks like Bond did it. You know, you, you know, Michael and I, I slobber all over uh, UFO from time to time on this show. Tell, tell tell the people listening to this podcast what it was like to see a UFO in 1977 with, with Pete and, and Phil and Shanker. And just what, what was that like, man? Well, you know, that kind of goes back to that first show I told you about, that Queen Drag Twisted Sister show. They had the precision and the tightness of Queen Drag, but they had the grit and the punch of Twisted Sister. So you had it both. You had the balls and the preciseness. It was just great. UFO, I mean... You know, when Schenker was on, it was great. And Pete Way was just like the Angus Young. He does splits and jumps around and just plays great. And Phil Mogg just kind of like looks at him like you're a bunch of idiots, but sings great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I ask Mike a quick question? Absolutely, man. Mike, have you had a chance to listen to that um, that deluxe box set of uh, Strangers in the Night? Absolutely. I pre-ordered it. It was great. Okay, so the show there from Columbus, do you know what the venue was? Was it the Newport? I think it was Vets. Okay. 
I'm almost sure it was Vets. Did you happen to be at that show? No, no, I was not. I mean, I, I saw him with Wheeling like three times. Wheeling was that stop between Pittsburgh and Columbus. It was great. And uh, and who were who were they out with at the time? I, well, like uh, at that Vets show, was it that same lineup that you saw in Wheeling? Uh, that was the the Strangers of the Night. Yeah, is that same tour? Okay. It is. I saw them a couple of years later. Uh, Cheap Trick opened up, and they were on that uh, Wild and Willing and the Innocent tour. Uh, I saw them with Rush once. Uh, they played a great joke on Rush. You know, Rush wore those white, like, silk robes. <laughs> so uh, UFO came out and na- nail gun down a bunch of slippers in front of their mic stands. Well, if, you, so, if you've ever watched, uh, what is it, All the World? I don't know, what is that Rush documentary? Yeah, isn't it? Be, that's Beyond the Lighted Stage. Beyond the Lighted Stage. Yeah. And, and they, they yeah, talk Mar- about Mar- that. Had a lot, yeah, yeah pop did a lot with that. pop a good friend of mine. That's right. He's a, what? What a he, you talk about a guy that knows his music. My God, he's a, he's a he's like you, Michael. He's an encyclopedia. Don't sell yourself short. You're up there with him in my eyes. What do you got at number one? I can't wait to hear this. Okay, I, is it between two? And I'm gonna go with one that uh, I'm gonna go with a show at Legend Valley. It was Ted Nugent headlining, Jay Giles, Blackfoot, The Scorpions, and Def Leppard with Ten Arms. With Ten. <laughs> Wow. Was that electric drums? It was outside festival. It was like eight bucks. Ted Nugent was on Scream Dream. Jay Giles had just put out, I believe, Love Stinks. So you said mostly the old stuff, the blow your face out stuff. It was just a phenomenal outside event. Just great all around. I think I saw that same, not that package tour, but uh, I saw Def Leppard open for Blackfoot. And um, it had to be right around that same time. They had just put out High and Dry. And Blackfoot, I think, had just put out like uh, I don't know, Tom Catton or something like that. And um, yeah. yeah, great, great show. And uh, Def Leppard kind of stole the night. And, and wow. think about that that list of artists, though. I mean, you talk about being diverse. I mean, as far as what you've got with Jake Isles and Nugent and 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 Def Leppard, I mean, that's they just don't do that anymore, man. Yeah. yeah. I remember the best thing. It was kind of a dreary. It was summer, but it was kind of dreary overcast. So you weren't, the sun wasn't eating you alive. And it got real gray when Blackfoot was ending. And then it rained like hell through all of Jay Giles' band. I mean, just, I mean, those poor bastards, it poured on them. That's when I kind of snuck up through the people that were kind of retreating. <laughs> and then Ted Nugent came out on stage after that and yelled, I told that bitch Mother Nature she wasn't going to piss on my parade. And the sun came out and the clouds parted just like he was God Almighty. <laughs> and I swear to God, he was wearing the loincloth and he played. It was sunshine the whole Ted show. And then it rained harder than ever did as soon as he was out. He didn't do an encore, but I think they knew when the rain was coming. And so when he finished, they took off, and it just was pouring after that. So so we've got Michael Hannon on here with us, and, and those are the shows that he went to as a fan. But I know you have played, you've played all over the world, and I would love to know if, and you know, if, if you don't want to throw five out, if you want to throw five out, but give us a list of shows that you've done from the artist standpoint, is what what would be the the five best shows that you've been a part of as the uh, as the performer? Well, the ones that really stick out to me was like uh, uh, after uh, Salty Dog disintegrated into nothing. I just kept working. I was a, a t-shirt salesman for a company called uh, Zebra Marketing, and we did uh, the Cramps and Susie and the Banshees Culture Club 
Motorhead and uh, Nazareth. Yeah, quite a combo. But uh, <laughs> I went out with Nazareth selling T-shirts for them in the uh, western part of the United States. Got to become real good friends with them. Matter of fact, sat in and played bass with them on a couple shows when the bass player just didn't feel like it. And uh, it was weird. Uh, we Then we American Dog got to open up for Nazareth, and they saw us. It was family! And we played with them, and they just treated us so good. And we got the whole PA and everything, and that was just great time. Awesome. Uh, Give us, was good. Give us some yeah, more. Give us some more. Give us some more. Okay. Uh, another American Dog show we opened up for right. We played right before Twisted Sister in uh, far eastern France at a Hell's Angels rock and bike night. <laughs> and that was about 20,000 people. And we were treated really, really well by them. And it was just great. We were, uh, we do that song, you know, drank too much where the magic word is the four letter F word. Right. And where everybody yells F, you know, the, the song and all that. So we did that. And then we get off stage and then they're playing twisted and they, he, they're, they're doing the whole stay hungry album and they're doing, I want to rock. And he's like, there's only one word you need to know. And somebody yells at him, fuck on the side. He goes, no, he goes, he, he said, fuck is good. And he saw Jesus in the pit and he points me, that's good. But no, tonight's word is rock. And that was great. So he kind of pointed this out and it was, that was oh, good. That's fun. cool, man. That's yeah, cool. That great. Then back in my salty dog days, we were on uh, heavy rotation on three radio stations in San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio took the crown away from Cleveland in about, oh, when was that, Dave? But would that have been like in the uh, late eighties? I'm gonna say eighty eight. Yeah, it became and San Antonio had just all oh, rabid rock audience. And we were like heavy rotation on these three parallel one stations. And we even had AM air, airplay down there. And uh we played this thing called the, the Samana Alagra Festival. And that was like a three day event. There was 110,000 people when we played there. Wow. Wow. And it was like crazy. We were on the stage with Eric Johnson and the fabulous Thunderbirds and Salty Dog. But they put us on the blues thing. And across the, uh, there was one other stage going. They were like, our stage played a, a band. And then the stage over there played a band. And that other side was Aerosmith and I think Robin Trower. Damn. So that was 110,000. That was pretty good. That's I, that's a that's a number one, isn't it? Or yeah, yeah. That was. I, I can't really think of any other really big ones that I, I mean. There was a bunch of fun ones and weird twisted things I did, you know, cruelty to animals and things that I don't want to mention. But, uh, but yeah, don't do, are, that. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that. I'll just stick with those three. <laughs> hey, Michael, when, when you when you're at a huge show like that last one you're talking about, hundred ten thousand, whatever. Um, you know, we we all wonder what it's like to be in that backstage area. Is it as fun as, as people think, or is it all business? Is everything sectioned off? Do you get a chance to see the other artists, or is everybody kind of in their mm -hmm. own little, you know, pod? Everybody, it was everybody's in their own little world there, but this was 1990, and it had already become pretty corporate. Yeah. And, and it really, no, there was no drugs or anything. We had some beer. I mean, uh -huh. we're talking about a case of beer. Uh, it was just, yeah. And then there was nothing. We had a, an empty trailer with our bags in it. And we all walk, went walking around and, you know, we went to the merch booth and signed CDs and stuff. And that was it. And then the, it was funny. The next night we played in St. Louis at some place called Mississippi nights. And we had no radio airplay there at, at that time. 
uh, in St. Louis. And we had a tr- crowd of 12 people wow. from 110,000 to 12. Yeah. That'll bring you right back down to earth, won't it? <laughs> well, and that's, you know, and we were watching uh, before we, we hopped on here, Michael, we were watching the uh, the show at that in Moscow uh, right when the, I think right when the fall of communism and it was, it was Metallica, ACDC, Pantera, but we were watching the Pantera uh, portion of that. And I, I, I remember, I think it was in Rex Brown's book that I read where he said, you know, we're playing there in front of almost a million people. We go back home and we're playing in a club and there's, you know, a couple hundred people there, if right. that even, it was just like, it was, it was mind blowing to, to go from that experience to back to, you know, a little bit to reality, a little bit for him. So right. that, that's cool. Hey, and, uh, yeah, go, bro. Uh, it's just weird. Everything's like that. I mean, American Dog, all these years, we did all those European tours and we'd come back. And, you know, three days later, I'd be unloading trucks, working through a temporary service. Right. Why, why did you ever entertain the notion of just moving and staying over there? Uh, I don't know. I'm an American. <laughs> I'm used to American things. It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that would have been nice. Actually, I, I could have done it, but I'm the only one without family, you know? Uh-huh. All the other guys got kids and stuff. So, so there, there was yeah. never even a, a conversation or like, hey, can we have a band meeting and talk about this? Or? No, because, you know, everybody else has offspring and stuff, so I never even bothered to bring it up. Gotcha. We've got, uh, I mean, Columbus music legend Michael Hannon on with us now. Now, The Doghouse, it returns this weekend uh, this show is going to air on a Friday, so if, if you could tell tell the folks listening what the doghouse is and what you plan on doing and what's the future of it, it, it hit it's us, Michael. Me being playing, it's I like that. When I have parties at my house, I play all kinds of weird CDs and stuff, and we drink beer. So I figured, why not do it at a bar? I bought one of those little CD players that has two disc things on it that'll crossfade, and I just play music and I talk and I tell stories like what I've just been talking with you right. about. And uh, just play music. And uh, we're going to do it up at my buddy Ron's place in uh, Wapakoneta, Route 33 Rhythm and Bruce. And basically called the Doghouse because, you know, the famous one that did that originally was the Cat House out in Hollywood. But since I was in Salty Dog and American Dog, then was working in a dog grooming shop at one time. Why not call this the Doghouse? <laughs> and, and basically, and there'll be big videos playing uh, on, on the wall, you know, and stuff like that. And I've, I've done it before in Columbus, but it wasn't quite the right place. It was uh, more like, craft beers and stuff the place it wasn't my crowd so this place is a bush light kind of place and so that's right up my alley so we're going to be playing a lot of motorhead and acdc and ted nugent and weird stuff like that and just having playing obscure bands uh and doing history lessons on like this suite or something and i might even just play the pink floyd dark side of the moon album while the wizard of oz is up on the screen see nice. you never know what you're going to get dave man when you got a michael hannon happening with the doghouse you just never know what's going to happen it's a treat bag it really is. And, yeah and it's free to get in well there you go there you go beer free and motorhead what else do you want hey name that venue again because i know there's been some really cool acts that have come come through there i know you play there and i and uh you know I, obviously i'm friends with with theato and pickens and all the guys and i know that uh that's yeah, a, mean, that's a popular spot yeah. la guns have played there john yeah. karabi everybody's played this place blackfoot i mean it's like, uh, they got nine pound hammer coming up there, which is, uh, Blaine from, uh, Nashville pussies, other band, which has been around longer than Nashville. Did, didn't Pussy. you play there with Derek St. Holmes before? 
Yeah, we were this band. He's one of those, like the old cats, like Chuck Berry. The band was in the town already. Yeah. And we learned all these Ted Nugent songs, and we did all Ted. It was great. Love they got a video of that. It was like, talk about, man, trial by fire. Because I talked to Derek on the phone once. We never met him at all before the show. And he said, okay, here's the songs I want you to learn. So we learned three songs he didn't want to play when he got there. And then we played three songs that we never bothered learning. Ugh. How does that and work? And it was like, he cued me and I cued our drummer. That was how these things work and how you get, because there's no, since there was no practice, it's how do you get into the song and how do you get out of it? Because some of those songs on records fade out. Yeah. So it was like, it's just trial by fire and you got to know your stuff. Oh man, Michael, I, I, the doghouse. I, I know that's going to be a great time on, on Saturday and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to Dave and I here, man. Good hearing your voice, brother. Hey, it's good hearing both of you guys' voice and keep up the good work, man. I love hearing the new stuff. I Dave heard me the other day. I, I was giddy when I heard you guys play sound, sound I know. Southern Cross I on know. Sunday afternoon. It hey. was such a nice day. I was sitting on the back porch drinking beer all afternoon. I said, what the hell? I was driving, jumping up and down like a little kid. I was almost thinking I might have to send a rescue squad to your place just to check on you, you to make sure you were yeah. okay. <laughs> and you, you weren't alone, Michael. A lot of people were excited about that. And listen... Just know that when you hear stuff like that, the next time you see Mike Dorsey out, buy him a beer, all right? Oh, I do. I, matter of fact, I always message tech, uh, Dorsey when that, something like that happens. Yeah, man, he, he's he, he's really into that stuff. And uh, I'm, Sunday nights, remember the Sabbath. He's, he's got a nice little thing there. It's, it's a fun Sunday evening. So, Michael Hannon, have a great weekend. Have fun with the Doghouse uh, gig, and, and we'll talk soon. Okay, brother? Anytime, guys. Talk to you later. Peace. There you go, Michael Hannon. Dude. Right? Right? No one's got stories like that, Cat. And he no. was, that was, that's about as PG as you're going to get with Michael Hannon. <laughs> that's about as PG as you're going to get. Uh, Dave, before we cut loose here, I do want to throw out uh, some of the Gimme Five that people were doing on, uh, yeah. on, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Tim, now, I don't know if you know, do you know Tim Connell at all? Do you know Tim? He's, he's out and about. He's, he's everywhere. If you saw him, you'd know him. Just an absolute sweetheart. He's, he's always into live music. You see him at all the shows. Now, he was a military guy. So here's the deal. And this is why he's going to listen to these shows. You know, these guys that were in the military back in the 80s and stuff. And, you know, because you always hear, man, I was in Germany right, in 85. Right. All right, so check this out. Tim, Live Aid, London, uh. 1985. Dire Straits in the Netherlands. Okay. And the Rolling Stones in Germany. How amazing would that have been back Can't in the 80s? That. You cannot Can't touch, touch it. it. Uh, Scott says, you know what, Scott? And I was at that 92 Buckeye Lake uh, Metallica show as well. But he has the Kiss Animalized Tour, Slayer, South of Heaven Tour at the Newport. And check this show out, Dave. So Scott says, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Bad Boy Tour, 1995 at the Al Rosa. I don't even remember that I tour. don't remember that as well. And I consider myself a Kiss fan. But can you imagine what that would be like. And that wasn't too long after, you know, they were probably kind of trying to learn their chops again. <laughs> they yeah. were probably trying to get yeah. things going again. Uh, let's see here. Brian, he says, uh, Monsters of Rock, 1989 and Indian. Of course, that was the one with uh, Kingdom Come, uh, Metallica, Dawkins, Scorpions, and uh, Van Hagar. And I think, uh, dude, when when Dawkins, that was the last time Dawkins or Metallica opened for Dawkins. Let's just uh, <laughs> let's just say that Eagles Hell Freezes Over tour at Polaris, and then he said he's seen. And this is kind of an inside joke, but he said he's seen Kiss ten times, and they've never played Thrills in the Night. I uh, I was that's I a said, great song. It's a great song. And do you he, remember that video? 
Uh, it was I, a live video. It was a live video. Shot in Cincinnati. Oh, really? See yeah. there? Listen to that, Brian. So Brian, was he was a winner. We went on a uh, bus trip to Cincinnati to see KISS. And uh, we were out in the lawn, and there was a whole bunch of us, and we were just drinking and just yelling random songs off of just obscure Kiss records. And uh, my thrills in the night brought the uh, brought the house down, Dave. So that's kind of our inside joke that uh, you're never going to hear thrills in the night. I lo- I love that song. I like the Animal Eyes. There was some '80s Kiss. I'd lick it up and, and Animal Eyes. I, I dug those records. I actually, you know, now that you bring that stuff up, that's one of those things where. We went to see them on the Lick It Up tour. And, and I remember oh. when we bought the tickets, uh, my wife and I were going. And so there was like one seat in the front row and we couldn't sit together. So we ended up buying a pair right. like I don't know, on the seventh or the 10th row or something. So let me go to the food court. We're sitting there. You know? Right, right. And it's killing me that there's this front row seat left. And I said, I'm going to go back and get it. You bring a friend to the show. You guys can sit in the 10th row. I'm going up front. I go back. Attaboy. The ticket is still there. No way. I get it. Um, and three songs into the set, they were right up next to me anyway. So, you know, and that was wow. the, you know. The so you whole, got to see him with Vinny. Vinny Vincent. Wow. And makeup wow, wow. off. And, yeah. Good stuff. And he has, uh, okay, so now we're going to jump over to uh, Kevin, Kevin Young. Uh, he's a uh, Knight of the Rock table. I think I heard of that. Yes, you, you've heard of him. Uh, Rush R40 tour. Uh, he said that the way that they uh, they went back chronologically, it was genius and just and fun to watch. Clapton, the 2003 tour. I saw this show, uh, and he said uh, Nathan East on bass. You had Billy Preston on piano, uh, Doyle. You know, Junior there on guitar, and then uh, Steve Gadd on drums. That was back in 2003. I remember that show. That was a good man, right? And when when Eric would bring Billy with him, that was just always so cool. And I know you're probably like, okay, I've got all these Eric Clapton shows that I wanted to put on my list, but you came with the the you Randy Rhodes. I, I I appreciate you taking taking one for the team there, right? You not no no on the Clapton. I I, I just know I've you're a huge Clapton guy. Uh, well, I've seen him. Again, if we were just going strict musicianship, my list would be different. Oh, yeah, but I'm just talking about history and, and what was going on in the time and just the impact and right and then you know being able gotcha. to see guys right before they died i mean it just no, listen, yeah. that list you have was pretty incredible i mean as far as seeing cliff and seeing randy and yeah man all right we're going over to twitter dave uh chip says uh this is his hair metal edition here's a few of his uh guns and roses at the uh, cleveland music hall he said this was early on the appetite tour wouldn't that have been crazy uh check this out extreme with opener Allison Chains at the Akron Agora. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, Allison Chains could just never find, I mean, obviously they, they blew up, but they just, they're in the early stages. They were on with, you know, the, the uh, Clash that, of that Titans. Clash of the Titans. Did you go to that tour? I did not, and I, I get mad at myself and, every well, time I think about that. And, and they were out of place, but they were still fantastic. It was Allison Chains, Anthrax, Megadeth, and Slayer, yeah. You know, Scott Ian tells a great story about him and David Elfson on the uh, on the side stage, and they're watching Allison saying, yeah, this is this is the future, man. It ain't us. It's, it's, it's these cats. And he's also got Quiet Riot on the QR3 tour at the uh, Cleveland Agora with Poison opening. Wow. QR3. So that was the one without Rudy. If you if you remember that, I kind of I kind of there's a few songs on there that I like. I'm well, just gonna go ahead and, and when, say that. Wouldn't you like to just see what the dynamic was between the bands at the Ooh, time? Right. Were, were you know was Quiet Riot cool to Poison, or because they would you know obviously 
blow up and eclipse anything that quiet riot did. It's the old saying, <laughs> right? You, you meet the same same people on the way down as you meet going up. Isn't so that the truth? Treat them right. And then finally, we've got Scott here. He says, uh, "Kiss and the Plasmatics," and that was the Creatures tour. He says that was his first concert. Kind of cool, nice. right? I love creatures in the night. Wonder if Wendy came out with the, the I would imagine, cream on the jugs. There. I would imagine that was uh, in full full force. Ozzy and Motley bark at the moon tour. Scott says, and then he also saw Crew and Y and T. He says a guy snuck a flame torch. Uh, to use instead of a flashlight. So that was what Scott remembers from his uh, Motley Crue and Y&T show. So, and thanks to everybody that uh, that played along and responded. There were some other ones there, but I uh, just kind of grabbed a handful. So there we go, Dave. Uh, as we uh, approach the hour mark, I think it's uh, it's time to, uh, to put plug. a bow on this. Uh, I want to thank Michael Hannon. I want to thank everyone who, who participated with the Gimme Five. And Dave, thank you so much for having faith in me and coming back to the Hawks Nest. And joining me for, for Garage Days, bro. Uh, very welcome. And can I just do a quick pitch? Uh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And, I was going to ask, but I okay. go, go, well, go for it. I appreciate it. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you're looking to buy or sell a home, I'm in real estate now, and I would love to help you out. The market's crazy, but we can get something together. Uh, I can show you anything you want, or if you want to rely on, on my expertise to find you something, I can do that. So just hit me up on social social media, uh, just Dave Mann on Facebook, uh, Dave Mann Media on Twitter, a Instagram, uh, and I'll, I'll help you get into a new house, man. Dave Mann, thank you, brother. It's great seeing you again. This is kind of fun. Maybe you should just come once a month, and we'll just, we'll just do a show out here. I wouldn't say no. Okay, all right, fair enough. And when you get your roadcaster, you know, I'll, uh, I'll travel out to Canal. That ain't a problem. Ah, so you will step into the house. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Appreciate thanks, you, man. Bud. And thanks to everybody for listening. Until the next Garage Days, stay frosty. I'll have to check that out.